Welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast, your headquarters for building a six-figure-plus e-commerce business. I'm your host, e-commerce entrepreneur and Jeff Bezos wannabe, Andrew Derry. Hey guys, it's Andrew here and welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Today, we're going to be talking about site redesigns and specifically five questions that you need to be asking yourself when you're considering investing the time and money into a site redesign. And today, joined by the always entertaining Mr. Ezra Firestone. Ezra, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good. I'm happy to be here, man. Thanks so much for having me back. I love this show. You know, I, I can't seem to get it together to record my own podcast. So this is kind of like my, you know, I get to come on and, and be on this show and it makes me happy. I'm keeping you honest or doing my best to it. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I'm cool. I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't actually feel bad about not recording a podcast, but I'm just happy to be here. Well, it's good to have you, man. And uh, fun topic. I'm excited to dive into it. But a couple quick things before we do. I want to take a, a reader question from Nick Patello. And he says, do you create separate DBAs, which stands for doing business as, do you create separate DBAs under one LLC when starting out? Or do you just use your one LLC, which my case is called Spire Digital, for everything? I'm trying to figure out the best way to set up businesses from the start since I plan to have more than one online store. What do you think? So as I'll weigh in in a minute, but what do you do for this? Sure. I think when you're you're just starting out, you definitely want to just have that single LLC and that's to reduce cost, right? Like an LLC is going to cost you a thousand bucks. Let's face it, you know, depending on what state you're in, you're going to have it. You're going to need to get that business license and that EIN number and you're going to want to get it rush delivered because you're eager to get started. So I think, you know, the way that I did it uh, getting started was I had one LLC and if I had multiple websites, I just got a DBA for the merchant account for those websites. And that was really how we did it for a number of years. Now, of course, we have multiple organizations and things like that. And we've got a much more robust structure because we're a, a much bigger, we do a lot more volume and we need to do that for tax purposes and you know, having our books be clear. But I do think that the advice that I would give someone starting out is to absolutely just have a core company because ultimately when you're just getting started, it's probably just you. So you don't really you know, need all that structure. And again, look, I'm not the legal guy. So this is just how I did it, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, when I started out, Nick, same kind of thing. I didn't know what I was going to, I had no idea what I was going to sell. And so I just created the name of my, my LLC, Aspire Digital. And I just came up with that because I was, I had a mouse pad that had a little spire from a Van Gogh painting. And I was like, oh, there we go, Aspire Digital. And then as I went along, like Ezra mentioned, you can just use DBAs, which is like a $25 fee. It's a fast filing with most states. You can add your names like e-commerce fuel, right channel readers, those things. Those are under one umbrella. So the times I think you want to think about having multiple LLCs is when, one, if you have different liability, let's say you want to separate liability between businesses or you have assets in one you want to shield from aspects of another. So if you've got an information or let's say you've got an e-commerce business selling paper, low risk, and then you have one selling machetes, <laughs> you might want to separate those so there's not any cross liability. And also if you're thinking about selling a business, if you can if you know you're gonna do that, having it be in its own separate LLC can make it easier to potentially... Or, or at the very least, have it have a separate bank account for each e-commerce store, so that way you can really keep clear books on it. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you everything's under one LLC, have different bank accounts and different P&Ls for each I'll business I'll tell you line. what, we probably lost, I'd say... 15% on our first e-commerce sale because we didn't have those separate bank accounts and we couldn't, it was, you know, it cost us in the end, I think. Yeah. And I was actually talking to a friend this last couple of weeks and they, you know, going through a sale, it was a big deal because they didn't have the separate P&Ls by different business line and it caused a ton of problems. So really important. So anyway, a little bit of a, probably a longer answer than you needed, Nick, but <laughs> hopefully that helps. And then 
Also want to do a quick first sale shout out. A quick first sale shout out to Daniel Nooney from Golf Cart Garage. He writes in and says, just a mini backstory. I started a social media company that didn't work out a few years ago, became an unsatisfied big wig firm corporate attorney, got the entrepreneurial itch again, and then quit my job about a month ago to the chagrin of my family members. Much to the chagrin. Oh my goodness. This guy might be Yiddish or something. (laughs) I love it. I love it. When you're doing it, it's the family members that are working nine to fives. You know, you're probably doing something right. I decided to take your insider's guide training course earlier this year, which was extremely well done. Thanks, Daniel. Did a ton of research and I'm now taking another stab at it. We opened last Monday to the inevitable sound of crickets. But after 10 long days of waiting, we just sold our very first Yamaha golf cart battery charger. Definitely not a windfall, but still awesome. So Daniel, first off, congratulations on taking a stab at it, going from corporate attorney life to the entrepreneurial world. That's tough. And secondly, congratulations on the uh, the first sale. So cool. I'd say your, your site's looking real good, man. I, I try to get that phone number a little more, uh, a little bigger in the header, but I like it. These are the kind of niches for, for e-commerce, golf cart garage. I mean... Cool you know, I grew up on niche that. niche stores for like you know pimping out for like have a better term your golf cart. That's cool. I um I'm pretty familiar with golf cart culture because where I grew up on uh we had a very big piece of land and everyone had a golf cart and it was like you know a whole thing tricking out your golf cart. So this is cool. I'm gonna send this to some friends who might wanna <laughs> who might want some stuff. I wonder how many uh, people down in Florida are buying from you here, Daniel. We were down there. Uh, earlier this year and man just it's little Anna Maria Island and people all over yeah golf carts were how you got around so man scooters we talked about them once we did we'll have to do a whole whole other episode on that at some point all right let's go ahead and get into today's topic which is five questions you need to be asking yourself about site redesigns uh, and site kind of migrations. They kind of go hand in hand. I've done a handful of them. Um, I've done two from you know beginning to end all the way through in the middle of, of one potentially right now. Ezra, I'm sure you've got a lot of experience with this as well. Yeah, we're banging out. Uh, we, I mean, that's the interesting way to say it. We are, we are producing uh, several uh, new properties each month in our uh, services agency, so we get a lot of, of action here. Yeah, it's a big topic. So First question you need to be asking yourself is, what problem am I solving? I think a lot of people look at a website, look at their website and think, hey, I need to, I need a redesign. I need, I need a facelift. I want it to look a little flashier. And if you're doing a redesign purely for aesthetic reasons, it's a terrible reason to do either a migration or a site redesign. I think it was John Myers over in the DC crowd, I believe said something to the fact uh, at, at the DC BKK conference of design without function is vanity. And I think that was very, um, very insightful. So, I mean, personally, in my past, I, we'll, we'll link up to trollingmotors.net redesign I did. My first version of that was expensive, professional designers, and we had to completely gut it and start from scratch using a stock theme because it wasn't functional. It, it didn't solve usability problems for people and it wasn't focused on the user experience. So make sure you know the problems that you're solving. One of the things that we're seeing with our design work is that, and, and this is quite common, I think Apple has popularized this and now a bunch of other people are following suit. These really, really simple pages, these like just super simple, like if you look at the homepage of a Dropbox or like the homepage of, of even an Evernote or something like this, like there's just like, uh, like maybe one graphic and a call to action and perhaps a navigation menu, like there's nothing, you know? And I think that, you know, one of the things that it's important to remember when we're looking at website design is every one of our pages has a specific goal. 
goal or a couple, you know, specific sets of goals. Like the home page on an e-commerce website has a number of goals, and the product detail page really only has one, which is to get people to click that add to cart button. And so we like to design with those agendas in mind. Yeah, and I think people are getting more. And maybe this is a cliche thing to say, and it may have been repeated, but I think it's true. People's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter with. Uh, you know, faster internet and, and pages becoming simpler and, and better design becoming the norm. And if, if it's not easy for people to be able to, to use your website, I, I think if you, you looked at a website, I think simpler websites, I don't have any data to back this up, uh, Ezra, what do you think? But I think simpler websites on a whole convert better. And that's one of the goals we're taking with our redesign for right channel, or at least in the early looking at it is trying to make it streamlined and easier as opposed to having a lot of text, even if you have tons of information, make that information really digestible quickly for really impatient people. And now let's also keep in mind, I agree with you 100%. I think you are right. And what I want to add to this party is that we are also considering that we're designing right now in the e-commerce space primarily for query-based shoppers, people who found us because they were looking for a specific thing. We're not designing you know, for context, right? We're not doing designing for people who are just kind of hanging out on Facebook and then we know about them contextually. We put our message in front of them. They saw our stuff. Like our, our e-commerce product pages are, are designed to be for a user who knows what they want already, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, quite, <laughs> so, well, I mean, that ties in. You were saying simpler is better, right? Yep, yep, yep. So, you know, one of the things that we see on like Boom, for example, is that these people are, they're already, they already know what they want when they come to the site. They either want to engage with a piece of content or they want to, you know, learn more about our product. And so there's not a whole lot that you have to do with that. Yeah, so you can make it really easy. You don't have to, depending on the context, make sure you're considering the context the visitor comes to your site in when you're, when you're thinking about that, what... There you go, man. You said it much simpler than I just said it. But that's what I'm trying to get at. Exactly what you just said. Question number two. Have you done your homework? So even if you have a problem maybe that you know of, or you've decided, okay, we're going to do the site redesign. We're going to try to think about how to do it in a way which is really solving that problem or addressing a problem or a potential problem. Make sure you do your homework based on one, one best practices with Ezra. Let's get in with you in a minute here because you, you're the king of these. And also raw user feedback. Before you do any big site redesign, get a bunch of surveys set up. Use Qualaroo to ask people if there's any, have any hesitations when buying and if they are what they are. Run usability tests for like 50 bucks. You can, you know, 40 or 50 bucks, you can get someone in your demographic to try to complete a couple goals on your test to see where they run into problems. Make a list of common problems customers have. You need to have a really long list of specific changes that you really want to make before you ever start approaching developers and designers. And then also yeah, we could talk about the, the actually how you implement a, a, a redesign on your site because there's a whole process for that. But I think that, you know, a lot of the, the design work that we come up with is based on customer feedback, right? People are like, well, I can't find the store. <laughs> like we had some people write in literally they couldn't find the store on our new website. <laughs> is, this for, the, is this for, this boom? Is for boom? Yeah. yeah. So that was like, we immediately, we're in the process of changing that right now. If you go to Boom right now, first of all, we convert really, really well, right? So it's not like a, uh, like most people are finding the store, but there was more than one person. If more than one person says something, now I'm listening, right? If it's one person, okay, we might consider it. But if you get like multiple people giving you feedback about a specific thing, then you want to take that to note. And one of the things that we just did is with Olark, right? So Olark is a, uh, 
Uh, it's a live chat widget. It allows you to put a little piece of code onto your website and then you can have this little live chat box that's hooked right up to your Skype or your Gmail or your, um, your you know, messenger services and can go to your cell phone and you can have someone managing that. We actually decided that we did not want to in- encourage live chat on this site. We wanted our, all of our conversations to be happening on our blog. And uh, having live chat, it didn't uh, seem to have much of an effect on our conversion rate. So really, can you, can yes. you dive into that? Just now, was this, uh, is this live chat on your product pages? Oh, well, on all pages. Really? Just okay. we had live chat, which, so here's what we've done. We've changed it to a little customer service box. It's just like this little floating widget. It's on every page of the site. It says customer service. You click it, it pops this thing up and it says, Hey, you know, if you need anything, if you have any questions about anything, we'll get right back to you. And then when you, when you, when you submit it, when you put your message in there and click submit, uh, that actually just goes right to our ticketing system, which is uh, Help Scout. And um, you know, you get a new ticket about so that someone's left a message. And this way, nobody has to go to your Contact Us page. They don't have to find your information anywhere on, their, on your website. They can just, boom, engage with you and, and ask you a question. I don't think that's right for most e-commerce stores, but it is a, uh, if you don't have the ability or capacity to manage live chat, if, you, if you're just starting, it'll increase the number of people who engage with you. Interesting. What we found. That's interesting. We're getting ready to roll out more of a live, well, a live chat uh, more aggressively in our new redesign. So that's, we'll have to talk more about that or maybe even well, do Well, I think it. your products require a lot of education, right? People they need do. to talk to you a lot before yeah. they buy them and people are pre-educated. Uh, you know, the people who contact us on live chat just want to have a chat, you know? <laughs> 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 you're, you're, it's so, you're such a content heavy business. I will say you're a very engaging Skyper. I mean, sometimes I just can't tear myself away with the yeah, IMs that we, we have. Get, we get pretty involved. <laughs> <laughs> Before this gets creepy, one other thing I want to mention on that, have you done your homework? You need to understand everything that goes into a redesign. At the surface, it sounds like, hey, we'll change a few pages. We'll slap some nice graphics on it. And this is, I, I should maybe, a redesign slash migration especially if you're migrating, there's a lot of implications, like SEO implications. You've got to understand how 301 redirects work, how to maintain your, especially if you're an SEO heavy company, how to maintain all that SEO juice. That's something you need to be thinking about. You need to be thinking about transferring over your customers and your products from one cart to another. Have you guys done a migration recently? Every design that I've ever done has been a migration redesign. Wow. I, yeah. So did you guys um, see a dip when you 301'd all your pages? We did. And there's actually... Because that's been my experience. Like, here's the thing. I feel like about 70% of the time when we do a 301 of all the pages to a new platform, we just 301 301 them to the relevant pages on the new platform and that whole, you know, all of it, the whole thing, one by one, you know, go through each 301, each Mm -hmm. page that's indexed in Google. We look at it, you know, and we say, okay, where does it need to go on the new site? Are we recreating this page? Are we like, you know, getting rid of it? If we're getting rid of it, what page does it go to? That whole thing. And uh, I would say we see a dip for a few months in SEO, like pretty consistently. It is. And there's actually an interesting thread in the form that we'll link up to in the show notes for this. A couple a couple case studies with people sharing that. And I think for for ours, we've seen, I chimed in on one of the, those threads and we saw about a 10 to 15% decrease for like two or three months. But the good thing is you will see that dip. But usually if you've got an authoritative site and, and you do it correctly, you can really screw it up. But if you do it correctly, usually that will come back in, you know, six to 12 months. Have yeah, you seen that? Ezra? Totally. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we, yeah, well, you'll come back. You know, they're pretty good about it. They wouldn't have the 301 redirect feature if it didn't actually work, you know? So <laughs> it'll work eventually. It's just kind of the data has to catch up, and it is a machine that's calculating all this stuff we have to remember, right? So, like, eventually it, it all sorts itself out, which is cool, but you will see a little bit of a dip. I didn't mean to scare you. That wasn't my intention. 
Yeah, no, but so make sure you understand that. And one thing I think people think too is there's wizards out there, right? There's there's wizards that will let you migrate from cart A to cart B. And there's a, I think it's shoppingcartmigration.com, I believe, or cart-2-cart.com. Pretty good service, yeah, actually. Yeah, cart to cart. That one's, uh, we've had some trouble with that. We've also used it. So, oh, cool. yeah. So I've had pretty good. So they, just so people know, that's a, a migration service that can, it makes it easy for you, or easier rather, for you to move data between different carts. Um, yeah, like if you're trying to go Magento to Shopify and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so th- there's definitely wizards out there, uh, that and others. They can help you, I, in my experience, they can help you with moving customer data easily, moving uh, sales order data easily. But if you expect to just show up, plug in a wizard and have a beautiful looking site on the, the back end of that when you're moving from cart A to cart B, not going to happen. When we do it, we manually redo all of our product pages because... You know, you can move maybe some things, maybe like your high level pictures, maybe a description, but there's just usually, usually if you don't go through and manually do it, it looks sloppy. There's a lot of things that aren't put together well. And so it's a pretty well, manu- you, manual look, if process. You're, if you're not thoroughly considering every web page on your site as the, as the person running the show there, then you got a problem already. So you want to take the time, even though it's extra work and it takes extra time and energy to really, you know, sit down and look at your site map and what are all these pages that you have and how are they being used and are they still good and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And it kind of ties to number three question you need to ask yourself is, do I fully understand the risks? And we kind of, we touched on that, Ezra, in terms of the SEO dip. Understand you can really screw up your SEO if you don't know what you're doing. That's one aspect of it. And then secondly, I mean, this is probably a lesser, to a lesser degree, but if you don't think through things right and you don't think through those problems, there's a chance you can spend two to three months on a, on a redesign or a migration. And on the back end, your conversion rate goes down. Have you ever had that happen? Oh, certainly. I mean, yeah. I, half the stuff we test, I'd say even more, doesn't work. Um, and, and look, we're doing you know, a lot of, uh, now. We're, what we're talking about now is you're talking about a whole platform redesign. So you may also just be you know, doing a design for a new pay-per-click landing page or something like that. So, but yeah, you gotta, be, you gotta, sometimes it's tough when you're changing platforms because you are testing with all your traffic, right? You don't have the ability to just say, I'm going to put 10% of my traffic at this new <laughs> layout. And so it is a little more dangerous. Question number four you need to ask yourself, is it worth the investment? Whether you're doing a redesign or a migration, usually it's going to take, a lot of times it's going to be taking multiple months. You're looking at four or five figure, depending on either you're spending tons of time or you're outlaying a decent amount of cash. And you need to think, you know, weigh that versus the benefit you're going to see. And obviously it's impossible to do perfectly, but if your conversion rates relative to peers are pretty good, you know, and, and you're not having a lot of problems with users and you don't have those, you know, the number of problems you have are pretty minimal, maybe think twice about it. If this is worth the investment, you need to need to balance that. So now are we talking full site redesign here. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, so that, yeah. either a full site redesign or a migration. And for me, anytime I migrate, I use it. I tend to use it as an excuse to go through and do a redesign. So I'm with you now. I'm with you. Yeah. So is it worth the investment? Make sure to weigh that. Finally, last question. Can I accomplish multiple goals and objectives? And again, it's kind of interesting, Ezra, because I think we're coming to this from slightly different perspectives. I think you have a lot, a ton of experience, obviously, doing migrations, but definitely redesigns. And almost all of my redesigns have also included migrating either to a newer version of like Magento or even going to a new cart. So when I, when I get ready to do a redesign or a migration, I want to know, can I accomplish multiple goals? So 
can I move to a new platform if I'm going to be redesigning for usability issues? If I want to go to a new platform, it's a great excuse to redesign the site. Can you, is it a good opportunity to, you know, install or integrate a bunch of add-ons or live chat or some kind of maybe potentially a, an inventory management system? Is there housekeeping items that you can do like redesigns and migrations are a great chance to get your meta tags and your headlines and your site structure in order. So well, it, gives how, you the, it gives you the excuse to do the spring cleaning, right? To yeah. kind of really confront every page on the site and what's happening with it and, you know, to confront your checkout process and what's happening there and to look at your conversion rate more than you may have at some other time. And like, you know, ultimately, if you don't think that you can boost conversion and then Look, if you're being forced into a migration, that's one thing. Like if if, Mag- if Magento goes shutting down, you know, yeah, um, <laughs> and, and you gotta like, you know, or um, if they're shutting down, you mean when they shut down? Yeah, when they're <laughs> shutting down, your host. Like we got a bunch of people who are really freaked out about that, but it's okay. You can be cool, but you know, like so. I understand that's now you're forced, but. If you're not forced, then it's really worth considering what are, you know, you may not want to do an entire website redesign. I would recommend if you're not forced to, to migrate that you maybe start with a smaller elements of your site to test changes on than the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. You, you don't have to do it all or nothing. And I, I have kind of framed up this, this episode in that probably more, show, more so than I should have in the sense of <laughs> all or nothing. But those incremental changes, especially as we've talked about in past episodes, that conversion rate one where we talked about Ezra, if you can do it that way, that's probably the, the place to start. So a couple form, a couple threads in the private form we'll be linking up to in the show notes here if you want to learn more and you're a member. Uh, one, lessons learned from relaunching two stores on Magento. These I go through in detail the two relaunches I've done on, on two platforms I personally have. Especially helpful if you're on Magento, things to think about, how to go through that 301 process for keeping all of your SEO juice, etc. Second, migrating to Shopify without losing my SEO rankings. That's another case study in the forum for somebody uh, heading over to, uh, to Shopify. And then finally, how do site migrations affect SEO traffic? A couple of numerous case studies from people who have shared the hit they've seen in terms of the traffic decrease after they've migrated and, and re- redirected all of their, their 301 URLs. So. Awesome. That's really cool stuff. Yeah, good stuff. So I guess any closing uh, closing thoughts on this? Ezra? Here's my closing thoughts. And I, I will say, I think that you did a great job. I think this episode was really fun and that I was not, halfway through it, I realized that we were talking about the whole thing, not like I was approaching it from a from the standpoint of, um, you know, just straight up what landing page design and split tests and that kind of thing. And I think that, uh, you know, it's really good to consider that you're going to have to, you're probably going to, I mean, how many people replatform? I could give you a hundred people that switched from big commerce to Shopify in the last four months or the other way around. Like, it's just like, it's really a thing that happens a lot. We're consistently built. Maybe we're, we've got one side on one platform and one side on another. And so I think that if you don't already have some way to run split tests on your actual website, like if you don't already have Visual Website Optimizer or Optimizely or some platform-specific tool that allows you to test different variants of what's happening on your pages, then it's, it's worth implementing that, even if it's going to take you three weeks to get data because you don't have a lot of traffic. Like it's, it's really important to do that kind of thing because you can grow your business quite well. And the same thing on the ad side. If you're not running experiments in your Google AdWords in your in your ad in your AdWords account or in your shopping feeds and stuff like that, then you, then you should be as well. I think that just getting into this culture of like paying attention to how things are doing and and trying to get them to do better on the conversion side uh, will actually have you have more time invested in design because you'll be thinking about changing the way things look. Yeah, well put. So in closing, just those five points, keep them top of mind. One, what problems am I solving? Two, have you done your homework? 
Three, do you really fully understand the risks? Four, is it worth the investment given your current position? And five, can you accomplish multiple goals, kill multiple birds with, with one stone? Ezra, fun talking as always, man. Great hearing your insights. You've, I think you've had a lot more experience on the, on the redesign and testing front that I have. So, so thanks well, so much both for really important, man. You got to know how to replatform. That's a scary thing. And we've all been through it. I've had multiple, uh, scary replatformings that maybe didn't work as well as they could have. Oh, so yeah. I don't have to know about this stuff too. It is. It's scary, but it's also, it's also a great opportunity. I mean, we've had in the two replatformings I've done, using them as an excuse to also redesign the site. They both resulted in about 50% increase conversion rate slash increase in revenue. And so they're scary, they're hairy, they take a long time, but if you're willing to invest in them and do them right, they can make a really meaningful impact into your... Okay, so you got 50% increase both times mm-hmm. on this new design. Do you attribute that to new platform or do you attribute some of that to new design? No, 90% new design. Wow, and, and, and I think that that's such a good... Um, reminder that like if you haven't had a chance to sit down and think through a new layout for your site and test it, you might want to do that because it'll help you. If like you've been successful both times out, but you're a bat in a thousand, man. Well, I've only done it twice. That's a pretty small sample size, <laughs> but it's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. Yeah. Ezra, it's been fun as always. Thanks so much for chiming in. Really appreciate it. And thank you listener for, for listening. Looking forward to, to next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's going to do it for this week. But if you're interested in launching your own e-commerce store, download my free 55-page ebook on niche selection and getting started. And if you're a bit more experienced, look into the e-commerce fuel private forum. It's a vetted community for store owners with at least 4,000 in monthly sales or industry professionals with at least a year or more experience in the e-commerce space. You can learn more about both the ebook and the form at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next Friday.